Tom Sumner program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Because of the COVID-19 virus, we have had to learn new ways to be together. We've had to find new ways to communicate. We have to find new ways to play. And we have to find new ways to keep each other safe. For myself and my family, I'm going to take the COVID-19 vaccine. To learn more about the vaccine, go to cdc.gov. Let's do this together. Hi. I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is a New York Times best-selling author and uh, presentation consultant with more than 20 years of uh, experience providing advice for business professionals. He has a, uh, a new book out that... Um, talks about uh well let me let me let me find the title here it's not uh, laid right out in my notes uh where it should be um oh there it is the exceptional presenter goes virtual and we're going to find out what that means and uh, talk about presentations and and how we've all come to be communicating over this last year since the uh um pandemic has a sheltering at home with uh, best-selling author Timothy J. Kogel. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Um, let's uh, the title of the book. Let's let's start there. The exceptional presenter goes virtual. Every time I read that, I think I think goes viral. But it, it but the exceptional presenter goes virtual. Is that meant to say that if you do your presentation? well, a lot of people are going to want to view it? No, the title was really, I had written a book called The Exceptional Presenter, and that that was the one that was a New York Times bestseller. And then two years later, I wrote The Exceptional Presenter Goes Virtual. So virtual meaning when you're not in the same room with your audience, whether it was Skype or oh. or Zoom was Zoom wasn't even around there. I know the title, and I it, I think if I'd done it again, I wouldn't have said goes. I'd have had some different type of title 
Because I do think people think viral when they see that. Yeah, even even if I make the distinction between viral and virtual, I still equate what happens when something goes viral. Yeah, exactly. So so from a marketing standpoint, (laughs) that was a mistake because I just – and, Tom, I wrote that book in – 2010. So it was the first book. I think it's still the only book published on the topic of how to do your online meetings more effectively, how to conduct them. So, and because just because it's 10 years and people think, Oh my gosh, it's got to be dated. It's really not because it was never about the software. It was about how you lead a meeting. Cause it doesn't matter if you're using zoom, Skype, go to meeting, WebEx, whatever, all that is is a door to get you into a meeting. And if you're not good at running a meeting, then the meeting's not going to go well. But people are, are there for 10 years, <laughs> for 10 years, the, the topic was ignored. People would do internal meetings on, you know, again, WebEx and Skype were two of the big ones back then, but they sure. weren't that important. And then all of a sudden in March of last year, oh my gosh, we're doing every, every call, every meeting, every proposal, every client update. We have to do it virtually and we're not very good at it. So yeah. I actually, at the end of last year, I wrote an executive summary of that book. So I updated a few things and came out with the executive summary of the exceptional presenter goes virtual. And, and I did subtitle it lead dynamic online meetings, just to be a little bit more clear <laughs> about the direction of the book. Well, but, th- but this is interesting because you say that, you know, the book was out for, you know, more than 10 years before all of a sudden it was critical information. And, you know, I, I, I have to laugh when you say all of a sudden last March we had to start doing these these Zoom meetings and in uh, various online presentations and we're not very good at it. I, I had to laugh a little bit because I actually uh, set up my the studio that I do my radio show on at home about two months before the pandemic, before I'd even heard of the pandemic. So I was already, I didn't feel put out when everybody started working from home. I had already been doing it for a few weeks. So I felt pretty comfortable. And I had to laugh watching some of these network anchors trying to do, you know, programming from their basements on their old, you know, laptop <laughs> Skype video. You know, I mean, it was for the first couple of weeks. Remember that, Tim? The, the first couple of weeks, even network news broadcasts were horrible. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, even the setting there. Well, they, most of them were using a virtual background, which it, I, I, I think 80 percent of the time those don't even work out because you've got this distortion all around your silhouette and you move your hands and your hands are just they, they disappear because of the virtual backgrounds but the lighting was bad yeah, I agree. and then, and, and the <laughs> audio the the cameras oh. were not great and 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 for the first week or two it was really horrible and then you could see every day they got technically a little better and a little better and now they're doing pretty good broadcasts but it you know it took a little while and 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 that speaks to this this notion of all of a sudden we had to learn this very quickly Absolutely. But Tom, I was even watching after the news. It's one of those, you know, uh, celebrity type shows that's right after the evening news, like NBC nightly news. And then this other one comes on and they're all kind of those exaggerated stories about celebrity. And, and, And one of them was on with, with talking to some talk show host, And he was, 
it sounded like he was in a fire escape surrounded <laughs> by just metal and concrete. You know how it sounds, very yeah. echoey. And I thought, my gosh, that's a national show. This guy's been on that for 10 years. Somebody hand him a, a microphone he can clip onto his lapel and and have a much better quality audio than yelling at the computer and using the computer's audio. Right, right. But But people all of a sudden found themselves almost overnight not being able to go into the uh, office or, in their case, the the studio, and yet they've still got, you know, a a program to to develop content for. And so they started these split-screen interviews and all of this stuff, and 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 it was kind of clumsy at first, just as it was for educators trying to, you know, do virtual classrooms. Oh, I agree. And, well, you and know, people funny, trying Tom. to visit their, you know, their loved ones in nursing homes or grandparents right. wanting to visit with their grandkids. You know, it, all of a sudden, everybody had to learn this new technology. Anyway, sorry, I yeah. interrupted you, Tim. Go ahead. No, that no, that's okay. I remember, do you remember, it was, I don't know, two or three years ago, the guy on the, he was on a BBC interview and his kids came marching in the room and the one was in a walker, you know, kind of trying to get, the one must have been two years old. And then the wife comes flying through the door trying to pull him out. And that was that was viral for years. I still see that one come up. But that was one of the one of the early examples of uh oh, you're working at home, anything can happen. The cats can show up, the dogs can start barking, the kids can go crazy, and you don't have a lot of control about it, especially during the pandemic, when you and everybody else in the family are stuck in this house. I, I just saw a, a piece, and I, and I can't remember if it was here in the States or in Canada, but a, a, uh, a governmental unit, um, I, I can't remember if it was like a, a provincial uh, board or, or a town council or, you know, a state house or something, but they actually had to put out some regulations about what could be allowed in your visual presentation because of you know cats wandering not not just into the room but in front of the screens <laughs> well you know and i find we had our dog passed away since this but oh, we had sorry. a dog and a cat and it's funny how the if the dog because i was try, barricading myself into a room that didn't have a door on it so i put <laughs> moving blankets and boxes and everything but if but if the dog got in it's funny the dog can give a stern look and point toward the door and he'll walk back out no way the cat's gonna leave it, cat's just different person it's like hey there's a meeting going on i need to be a part of this oh yeah they can't say you want me out of the room you gotta move me <laughs> exactly oh that's exactly funny. but you know tom it goes to my point of from a business perspective, what people see on the screen when you're in those meetings, it represents you, it represents your brand, it represents the brand of the company you work for. And I would say in 95, 98% of the, the meetings I see, it's not a good representation of people. It's that face in the screen. And you know, a lot of times it's not even lit up. And, and I, you know, my comparison is to say, have you ever been in a meeting with five people or 10 other people and in a conference room and everybody sits so close to each other that you can only see their face. That would never happen. You're violating people's face <laughs> at every Zoom meeting. That's what happens every Zoom meeting. People are sitting so close to their camera, you can almost smell their breath. And then you're looking up at them, the people that have, they're looking down at the camera. You're looking up their nose. 
you see the ceiling fan. I mean, even the settings are, it's so easy to change that. But people just kind of show up to the meetings and, and wear even attire. I don't know if you saw the Good Morning America. This is probably four months ago. A guy was doing a segment. One of the reporters was doing a segment. He's at his house, got a nice background. He's got a really nice shirt on, collared shirt. He's got the jacket, but he didn't put his pants on. And yeah. you could see his bare leg. I mean, good morning, America. There's there's a, a, a commercial that does that where a guy with a shirt and tie and boxer shorts walks into the room and the people are actually there. And he goes, oh, this isn't a Zoom meeting. And and, and, it, and it's a great reference to that. And just, just uh, within the last couple of weeks, there was a, uh, a piece uh, – about uh, in one of the the London papers about a BBC interview in which this this expert was sitting in their study at at home and and this woman was you know on the you know in this presentation and she was you know doing the Q and A with a, a host of some kind and on the shelf behind her in a bookcase was a, a statue of a penis. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, of course, that went viral. You know, it went crazy. And there was some kind of an adult game on the shelf, too, as as people inspected <laughs> this closer. And it, it speaks to the number of levels on which we have to think in terms of what we send out to other people. You know, you need to check your environment. You need to, you know, be concerned about what you're wearing. You know, you can't you, you can't just uh you know come to the meeting in a terry cloth robe. <laughs> right. Well, and the those those two points I think are really important. I, I can't tell you how many senior leaders in management for different companies of clients of mine, they'll the sentence goes I can't believe so-and-so showed up at this virtual meeting wearing and fill in the blank. They just, I think people have gotten extremely lax in what they wear. And, and sometimes I'll have clients say, well, I work in Silicon Valley. The rules are different there. People show up in sandals and shorts. And, and my point is, look, I don't care if you're dressing business, business casual or ca- casual. Look sharp. I mean, represent yourself. Wear the higher end of whatever of those categories you're presenting in. Because would you wear that if you were going to their office to meet them for an important meeting? Probably not. And and going back to the point about the setup, that's all preparation. Because before almost almost all of these goofy things that happen, like the people showing up upside down or you know, not being able to get connected, it's because they jump into a meeting right at the time of the meeting instead of just getting on there 10 minutes early. And if it looks wrong, you can reset it and just look at, all right, take a snapshot of what your scene looks like and make adjustments. Again, what do you want in the background? What do you want to appear? Because everything behind you is going to, it's sending some kind of a message. More with virtual presentation coach and best-selling author Tim Kogel.
Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. 
Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get Tom Summer. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More with virtual presentation coach and best-selling author Tim Kogel straight ahead. But what about, let's, um, some of those things are, you know, easy for people to fix if they just, you know, put it in mind. You know, I I, I want to be. I'm concerned about my image, so, you know, I'm going to do hair and makeup, and and uh, you know, I'm going to wear a tie, or I'm going to dress for the meeting. You know, whatever's appropriate for that group, and I'm going to make sure that you know, in the background, there you know, there isn't a circus going on, and and then and then it becomes the tech. You know, knowing how to use the equipment you're using, what kind of equipment you're using, like we talked about with the, you know, with uh, some of the network uh, show uh, hosts, um, you know, trying to do shows from their basement and, you know, with the with the technology that they already had instead of, you know, bringing in, you know, some pro gear. I'm not saying you have to turn your, your home into a television studio. But you should be thinking a little bit about the quality of the technology you're using. No doubt. And as far as the software platforms that are available, I would say use the one that's easiest for you to use. And simplicity is, I think simplicity is the key. That's why I think Zoom has just exploded because it's so easy. You push a button, you're in the meeting. There's nothing complicated about it. And when when you're running a meeting, the last thing you want to be doing is multitasking trying to figure out, okay, what does this button mean? Or how do I get here? How do I share my screen? If it's a one-step share screen, it's, it's better than if it's a two-step share screen. Because if you're, if you know, the pros, have, they have a whole staff. They have producers and directors, and they have lighting and sound people. That's all taken care of. Most people right now, you're at home, you're on your own, but you still have to leave these important meetings. So to keep the software, the use of the software simple and and be extremely prepared. I, Tom, I've done this for a long time. I get way more nervous for virtual interactions than face-to-face because it's the technology. <laughs> it can shut down on you anytime it wants. And the more important the meeting is, the more likely the technology is going to fail at some point. There's going to be some kind of a glitch. Yeah, is that, uh, is that Kogel's Law? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say that. But but you know, and I, I use this as an example a lot. I, when Bill Gates, again, he was at the time the richest person in the world. He was introducing one of the window. I think it was Windows Nine or something like that. And so he's at this big conference, and he could not get his computer to work. And it was funny. About fifteen people come running in. It was like the Indy Five Hundred, a pit stop. There were a lot of jobs on the line. And they're trying to get him up and running. They finally got him up and running. And then they, at one of the con- consumer electronics shows, Steve Jobs was introducing the new iPhone at that time. And he could not get the iPhone to work 
because there were too many hot spots in the audience. And I thought, you know, if that, if that happens to them, it is definitely going to happen to me. You just have to have a backup or be prepared for when it happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and, and it's been, it's, it's been an adjustment for me. I, you know, I used to see my grandkids on, uh, just FaceTime, you know, uh, uh, a version of Skype or whatever on Facebook. And I wasn't that concerned about quality. It was just nice to see their face and hear their voices and stuff. But now that I'm doing some meetings, and I've never been really concerned about the visual component because I do radio. You know, it's all about audio quality. Um, Mm -hmm. I have really struggled, even with Zoom, to get the hang of, uh, you know, doing... A, a decent looking uh, um, video conference. Well, it sounds like you need to get a copy of my book, Tom. I can well, send that's, one. <laughs> that's yeah. Please, you know, please do have pity on me, Tim. <laughs> well, you know what's funny, and, and you say those the family conferences for a while. Zoom. Everybody had the free Zoom because you got. I think you got fifty minutes. That was your, if it was free, you had 50 minutes, but the meeting had ended 50 minutes or something like that. And I would laugh because my, my wife's family would get on one of these calls and it would literally take 45 of the 50 minutes just to get everybody connected. You know, or, uh, grandma, grandma, we can't hear you. Can you, you, you look it down at the corner. You got to push that button. You know, so it took 45 minutes. So the last five minutes was, Hey, how's everybody doing? Oh, we got to end the call. <laughs> Yeah, hit your mute button. We can hear you chewing. (laughs) (laughs) But um, comportment is an issue, too. You know, it's easy when you're at home to be very casual, you know, to have snacks and and beverages, things you might not do in a regular meeting. Well, you know, but one of my big points about uh, your setting and if we were doing this virtually, you would see, if I'm on the screen, you can see my desk, you can see my hands, you can see my coffee cup, you can see my notes, because I want it to look like we're in the same room. You're sitting across the table or desk from me gotcha. instead of you just see my face. I mean, that is a huge component because, Tom, they, they talk about Zoom fatigue, which is really the fatigue from being on multiple online meetings. And, and part of the problem is the psychologists are saying when you just see faces, the part of the brain that interprets body language is in overdrive, trying to interpret body language, but all it sees is a face. And even the, even the minor facial expressions, if the person's not well lit, your brain can't even interpret those. So all day long, like radio, the thing we're doing now, that part of the brain, it's turned off, so it's not even working. So when, if you try to create an environment people are used to seeing where you can see my hands, you can see my body language, you can see what's in front of me, it creates so much more of a familiar setting that people are used to. Because in a face-to-face meeting, we use all five of our senses. Maybe, you know, taste, maybe not as much. But if somebody brings in bagels and coffee, that that's included as well. In a virtual meeting, you're down to sight and hearing. And both of those are limited. So your brain, it's almost, it's an overdrive. And it's, it's, it's lack of input that you're getting the brain is looking for. So if you create a more in-person environment, everybody's going to be a little bit more at ease. 
That's a great point, and I'm glad you touched on uh, lighting, uh, albeit sort of parenthetically. Um, I, I've done television. I'm not a big fan of doing television because I like long-format interviews, and I think they work better on radio, but um, but I'm familiar with the importance of, of lighting. And the first time I did a, a Zoom meeting, I was really surprised that sitting in a fairly well-lit room, it still came out very dark. Some additional lighting may be necessary to, you know, to really come across well. I think it's it's critical. I think, in my mind, sound is the most important because if you can't hear, hear the person or it's all choppy or you don't have the bandwidth, well, I guess that puts bandwidth first. If you don't have the bandwidth, it's going to affect everything. Right. But sound and then lighting, and I because you're right i mean i have two different cameras so i can use the camera on my macbook pro and that's not high def i i can't believe they haven't upgraded those but it's 720p so i have to have way more lighting to get a good look on that my external camera is a it's a sony camcorder it's amazing how much less light you need to look good but i just bought a lighting package you know at best buy 140 bucks and you get it where you want it and it just stays there and it's it's so much different but here's here's the point you don't even know need to go out and buy a lighting package. You have you have plenty of lamps in the house. I mean, bring, if I'm working at home, and before I had the lighting package, I would go up and steal my son's lamp because it was one of those IKEA lamps that have the six bulbs on it with all the arms. Oh, and yeah. I bring that down. I I point every one of those bulbs at me. And <laughs> just a quick story: I was working with a group a couple of weeks ago, and right after the first, we were doing a series of workshops. And after the first one, when I'm talking about your whole setting and your presence and your use of body language. He said, yeah, I went out to the, the garage for about an hour, and I found these two lights. You know the lights you use if you're changing your oil and you hang it on the some part of the car? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's got a little handle and uh, yeah, a little cage right. that the, the bulb is yeah. in because it's very bright and it gets hot. Exactly. So he found two of those, and he set one up on either side of him on the desk, and it is it looks like he's in a studio. Yeah. Yep. So a lot, a lot of the things you can find laying around the house to make it. And, and the other thing, and you know this from being around radio and television, you go to a, a, a news studio and you look around, and you think, wow, this stuff isn't even real. It's just, it's just <laughs> plywood painted. Yeah. You know, it's all fake, but it looks good in the scene. And that's why I tell people, doesn't matter. Even have that five or six foot wide area that looks good. The rest of the room can be a disaster, but they never know that. Yeah, there's a there's a um, um, I was taking a tour at one of the uh, big theme parks that had a studio component. I think it may have been uh, Disney, but it might have been Universal. Anyway, we were driving through this neighborhood and all it was was the fronts of houses. There was no house behind the front door. It was really? just it was just the facade with a driveway and a little piece of yard. And it said, don't build what the camera can't see. <laughs> right. That's great. And so they, you know, the, you know, film producers have known about this forever, that you're only going to see what's in the shot. So only build what's in the shot. You know, save some That's money. a great, that's a great example. That's really a great example. And there was a whole street of these houses. So you drive down the street and it looks like, you know, you're in, uh, you know, some some suburban uh, neighborhood, and it's yeah, it's well, just these flats. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. 
hilarious. That's great. And yeah, of course, I, out in know, Hollywood, they to... have the you know they have the old west towns and and different variations right. on that same theme. So create that background, you know, that looks what the way you want it to look. Because I mean, even some of the green screens, if you're going to use one of those virtual backgrounds, it, it works way better with a green screen. Of course. And you could go to Michael's Craft Store and get the green, the big green paper they have, and that actually works. I mean, it has to be lit properly, but it just look, it reduces a lot of that distortion around your head. And I, I, I find it hilarious on these virtual backgrounds when somebody holds up a document. Most of the time, the document's invisible. You just see the virtual background. You don't even see it. You could hold up the Wall Street Journal, and you don't even see it because of that, the way the technology is now. You know, and, and Tom, going back to my original point, because I wrote that book 10 years ago and just wrote the updated executive summary. But some of the things I mentioned in there, I mean, I literally thought by now we, these virtual meetings would be, you know, everybody's a hologram, and it's almost like you're in a 3D <laughs> meeting. And, and the technology hasn't changed much. I mean, if it weren't for Zoom, Zoom kind of kicked everybody in the behind and said, hey, we're, we're leading the pack here. But the technology hasn't changed much in the last 20 years because WebEx went public 20 years ago. I actually worked with the WebEx team on their roadshow for going public. That's how it, but, again, I don't think much of the technology has improved over that 20 years until Zoom started changing it. I, I'm shocked at how slowly it's happened. But I think it's because people just, you know, it wasn't a priority for them. So that it wasn't something where you had to do every meeting virtually like it's been in the last year now. Well, let me let me ask this. Is there included in your book, you know, a shopping list, a, a minimum must-have to do a, a reasonably professional-looking uh, job yes can you yeah. get away and, and, with you know, can you get away with the audio and video on your laptop if you do certain other things and you know what's what's the minimum to comply with uh, decent quality oh yeah I, I i talk about that because some people you know they don't have the resources to go out and buy a nice like when i'm on a when i'm on a, a virtual call i use a wireless microphone because i like to jump up to the whiteboard and actually whiteboard things during the meeting or during the interaction or training and it makes it more a more interesting meeting than me just sitting there but a wireless microphone isn't inexpensive so there there are different ways you can do that but the key thing i want to to get across is again everything we're talking about is one aspect of the meeting we haven't even talked about all right the meeting's underway how do you start the meeting how do you sequence your information how do you yeah. function as a team? I mean, a lot of teams go into these meetings. They're all in different places. How do we not step on each other? How do we transition from person to person, topic to topic? How do we introduce the team? I mean, sometimes an introduction can take five minutes. Do you want to take five minutes up front to introduce a team, or can you do it as the meeting goes on? So I think and part of the issue is people are only thinking, if I can just get on this meeting and I'm not upside down, and the, and the connection doesn't fail, it was a successful meeting. I, I, <laughs> so I had a, a, If I can survive the technology, it's a successful meeting. Even if the meeting itself and the planning and the execution was poor, at least we stayed on the call together. Well, I, I think this book is really important, especially for people like me, because I tend to be a little bit of a Luddite. I've, I've had to learn to be a little bit more tech competent. But 
it doesn't come naturally to me. And I was I was in a Zoom meeting uh, fairly recently, and somebody put up an exhibit. You know, they wanted to show a document, and so they put it up on the screen, and then every and everybody froze on my screen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and so there are a lot of tech things that happen like that, and and like you said earlier, Tim, and it was a great point. You don't want to be bogged down with trying to manipulate the technology as you go you really want to know going into it that you set it and forget it right and and the worst case this was before i started working with this company they were telling me and this was before the pandemic so they were doing some things virtually prior to me working with them and he said part of the reason we called you is because we had a he said we worked for six months to get a meeting with this prospect in new york and they wanted to show them their technology virtually. So they get on the call, and the guy said, I'm by myself. The other person hadn't arrived yet, but the meeting started, I'm by myself, and, and the person on the other end of the line just keeps going, I can't, I can't see anything. I can't see anything. And you have a very narrow window to get the thing moving or it's over because what happened there is the, the prospect just said, hey, you know, why don't you just mail me the, or email me the deck, and I'll get back with you. You know, so that's right. the kiss of death. It's, it's, yeah. But the, the guy said there was, I didn't know what to do. He said, I'm not a, uh, uh, you know, on the geek squad. I don't know right, <laughs> how right. the technology actually functions. But that's why it's always good not to go solo. You can have somebody, if you and I are presenting together, when you're presenting, when you're talking, I'm kind of a tech guy. I'm making sure I'm reading the chat. I'm making sure people are staying connected. And the same way when I take over, then all of a sudden you're the tech guy. So you're, neither of us are multitasking as we present. Yeah, that's that's a that's great advice, and there's lots of great advice in uh, Tim's new book. It's called um, "The Exceptional Presenter Goes Virtual," and uh, it's it's all about how to create uh, the best and most efficient virtual meetings in the uh, modern era. And, and this era is around for a while, don't you think? Um, coming out of when we go into whatever the new normal is, a lot more people are going to stay working from home. No, they are. And, and, and it's funny because part of the reason I wrote the book when I did, it was after the last financial collapse, there was a different global pandemic. I think it was I forget which one it was, but something was going on there. It, but that that corrected itself fairly quickly. The, virtual was is that somewhat SARS? ingrained now. It, yeah, it must have been SARS because it was SARS, and then the the markets collapsed. You know, they had the whole real yeah. estate mortgage collapse, and that's when I wrote that because and and travel restrictions were in place, security was higher around then. But it but it but things bounced back pretty quickly on this one. This has been going on a year, and people have become more comfortable with virtual. And, Tom, I know there's people who are the, the recipients of proposals, so they're, people are trying to win their business. And they're saying, I'll never do a face-to-face proposal again because I'd rather, if somebody's coming in to propose to me, I, I don't want to have to walk down to the lobby and bring them up and do all the rapport. It's, hey, your proposal starts at noon and it ends at 12.50. Next. You know, they're just saying it's so well, much more efficient for them. You know, I've been doing uh, doctor's appointments virtually. Um, I've had a couple uh, in in the last few weeks. And I, I always walk away from it thinking, wow, that was great. Not spending any time in a waiting room, not driving across town and back. You, you know, it, it 
it, it really is a lot more efficient. Um, and Tim, I, I have a feeling we could talk about this for hours, but we, uh, we actually have to, to put an end to it, um, sadly. But I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Obviously, the book is a, is a great uh, reference guide. The Exceptional Presenter Goes Virtual by Timothy J. Kogel. But, Tim, do you have um, a website where people can learn more about you and, and your work, past, present, and future? Yes. The, the website is presentationacademy.com, presentationacademy.com. They can learn more about me, my work, my clients, the workshops and training and one-on-one coaching we offer. And the books are available anywhere. Where all fine books are sold, as they say. Exactly, yes. The only, see, I think the only one, they're all, ver- that you can get them, the hard copy or you can get the ebook version of the original exceptional presenter, which was really for all face-to-face meetings, but all of those skills transfer to when you're virtual, then the exceptional presenter goes virtual or the exec, the executive summary of the goes virtual book, all are available. But I mean, it, we're in, we're doing this every day. It, like you said, I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. And a certain percentage is never going to end of the virtual communication. So why not? Yeah, I think it's, it? I, th- I think it's a big part of what people are calling the new normal. I, I would absolutely agree with that. Well, Timothy, thanks so much for spending time uh, with me this morning and sharing these thoughts. Uh, it's something that affects us all now, and it's been a real pleasure talking with you. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Okay, take care. <laughs> Again, that was uh, New York Times bestseller and uh, presentation consultant, Timothy J. Kogel. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <laughs> Fashion Radio for the new generation. The Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com.
Throw the buffs on her face, cause that's Big Grit. We ain't even about to stress, we got Big Grit at all. You can find her in the press, under Big Grit. Fresh in a new dress, yeah, that's Big Grit. Throw the buffs on her face, cause that's Big Grit. We ain't even about to stress, we got Big Grit at all. You can find her in the press, under Big Grit. Fresh in a new dress, yeah, that's Big Grit. Every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck up. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing, or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. 
Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Here is some more of the rich humor of Brooks Hayes of Arkansas, special assistant to the president. My grandson, a 15-year-old red-headed wisecracking high school lad, um, loves to cut me down to size. This grandson was in to see me recently. He saw some books on my desk passed over some that I had produced, only two. I'm, I haven't produced them in great volume, but uh, one, I, and I make this reference, uh, believe me, with some sense of modesty, the first book was one produced for the Baptists. When I was elected president of the convention, they thought they should have a book. <laughs> and then later, the University of North Carolina asked me for a book on the Little Rock story. My uh, father was asked when this book came out, uh, Mr. Hayes, have you read Brooks's last book? He said, I hope so. <laughs> and uh, then uh, the... Um, but uh, this lad uh, didn't comment on those two books. He looked at the third one, which said, How to Get and Keep the Job You Want. He said he was four years late getting that one to you. <laughs> but uh, I've been quite happy in this assignment. Uh, even uh, the uh, proximity to Arthur Schlesinger is enjoyable. The president put me there, I think, so if any hard questions came up, uh, Mr. Schlesinger had me. And, uh, <laughs> someone in a dinner meeting, uh, someone I was with in Washington at a banquet recently, uh, just that, and he said, well, the trouble with uh, you and Arthur Schlesinger is that you're both answering questions nobody's asked, <laughs> uh, which, uh, which I submit was a thoroughly partisan comment. Uh, well, we're at the east end of the White House, and we're easy to reach, and I hope if you're there, you'll come to see us. Uh, someone said, Mr. Hayes, are you close to Mr. Kennedy? And I said, philosophically and politically and intellectually, yes, very close. I said, physically, uh, I'm over here on the east end. It's like the little lady said when I asked her in Pope County if she had seen Halley's Comet. She said, just from a distance. And <laughs> But in this election year in particular, I have to be careful. There is a difference, you know. 
I remember one year when one of our colleagues had been through the South, and when he got back, he confronted an Alabama member with uh, this uh, comment. He said, Bill, you're in trouble. I've been in your district, and Henry Wilson's announced against you. Well, he said, I'm not surprised. I know that fellow. He's a thief and a crook and a liar. He's the kind of man that would run against me. <laughs> well, he said, I've got more bad news. He said, George Johnson's going to announce against you tomorrow. Well, he said he's the same type of individual. He's a thoroughly evil person. He's lucky to be out of the penitentiary. And then he said, look, I'm just kidding you. I saw them both. They're for you and sent you their regards. <laughs> and, uh, 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 he, uh, uh, it, um, it produced this comment. Well, see what you've made me do. I've said some ugly things about two of the sweetest, finest men I've ever known. <laughs> I remembered uh, the experience of 1933. I ran in a special election in that year for a seat in the Congress, the one that I was to win uh, nine years later. But in 1933, the Depression year, and it was a terrible year, and this is a rural district, remember, uh, maybe you suffered, too, from the Depression, but as one of my farmer friends said, Brooks, this Depression wouldn't have been near so bad if it hadn't come along right in the middle of hard times. <laughs> and, uh, I, uh, I said that to a Georgia audience not long ago, and the chairman said, well, Mr. Hayes, Arkansas was not alone. Georgia had it, too. I said to... He said, uh, I asked a fellow once, do you remember 1933? He said, sure. That's the year I broke my arm. And I said, uh, broke your arm? He said, yes, I was eating my breakfast and I fell out of the persimmon tree. <laughs> so, uh, uh, some of my first lessons, I should say, if you will permit me to enter this delicate area, were in this little church down in Arkansas a little congregation. And in uh, my first lessons, really, in democracy were in that Baptist church. You non-Baptists, forgive me. This is not propaganda. <laughs> it just happened to be a Baptist church, and I am a Baptist. I'm almost as bad as Brother Puckett, who opposed the consolidation of our church with the Christian church. He said, I'm a Baptist, and nobody's going to make a Christian out of me. <laughs> And sometimes there'd be differences over whether to buy uh, some, a new organ or not. And sometimes those are interesting discussions. I remember when they wanted to buy a, new chand uh, buy a chandelier, not a new one, but because the ladies wanted a chandelier. And the, one of the deacons said, well, now we can't do it. Said if we went to order it, we wouldn't know how to spell it. <laughs> and said... Uh, and he said, anyway, uh, if we got one, nobody knew how to play it. <laughs> and he said, anyway, I'm telling you, I think all the deacons agree that if we're going to spend any money on anything new, we need a new light fixture. <laughs> this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Just do your thing Let the blues Let the blues take good care of you Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. <laughs> 